1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on Thursday morning. We are past the midway point of December. I mean, we're getting really close to Christmas. Oh my goodness, we're talking about, you know, just over a week away from Christmas Eve. I, I'm sorry. This is my favorite time of the year. I really enjoy this. Hey, if you haven't had a chance to, make sure you're checking out those uh, our short series of podcasts of um, Mary Steeler memories uh, that we have for BTSC, where a bunch of our different podcasters are sharing some different things with the Steelers and the Christmas season and things of that nature. So if you haven't caught any of those, make sure you check them out. And of course, as I'm always going to say, make sure you're checking out all of the podcasts uh, from behind the steel curtain. Who knows? There might be one out there that you haven't been able to catch yet, only to find out that that's your favorite one. So you just never know. So make sure you at least uh, give them all a chance. Me, of course, I'm part of the ride or die crew. And I, I got to tell you, I never miss a what Yin's talking about. That one's just, that podcast is just so different from everything else. It, it can just crack me up. And, and a lot of times it's, it's the difference that I need at times. So uh, we've got all kinds of good stuff. We have, you know, the, the morning lineup, I already mentioned, let's ride. We've got the live mic. We've got uh, the noon lineup, which is, you know, the, the Ohioans with the the Power Half Hour, I already said what Yin's talking about. Uh, Jeffrey Benedict's um, Cutting Room Floor, Maddie P's War Room. We've got Jeremy Betts' Fantasy Football Fix. Then we've got all our normal evening shows that, are, that go live on YouTube. Lots of stuff for everybody. If you're a Steelers fan, then there's something there for you. If you're not a fan of the Steelers, probably not your thing. But if that's the case, I'm not really sure why you're listening right now. But that's okay. You might be a Titans fan. But uh, we have a lot of stuff. Um, at Behind the Steel Curtain uh, for for you to get your Steelers fix. Boy, I guess I got to talk about the last game. Even though it was a week ago, I guess we still got to talk about it a little bit. But, ooh, yikes. The reason I say yikes is because from a number standpoint, it was just bad. It was was really bad. And the Steelers putting themselves in the situation they were put in, you see it in the numbers. You see so much in the numbers. I mean, my goodness, 66 yards in the first half of total offense. The score was 23 to nothing. And the Steelers gave up two more field goals in the second half before they got on the board. They were down 29 to nothing, 29 to nothing. Um, It's really hard to come back from that. That's part of the issue is that, is that when you dig yourself in that much of a hole. So the, the Steelers can't come out that flat and then just try to pour it on at the end. Uh, if you want to pour it on at the end, as I talked about with my brother on the Scobro show, we are at the end of the season. If you want to play well in the last quarter, this is the last quarter of the season. This is where they need to pour it on from, from, from kickoff till triple zeros at the end of the fourth quarter is what the Steelers really need to make sure they're doing. So let's dive into some of these other numbers. I mean, the Steelers, I almost don't want to say some of these, but yeah, it's bad. We're going to see how bad the run defense has become Uh, when, when we look at it going into the next matchup. But I mean, the Steelers, they gave up 300 yards in the first half on the 23 points, 205 total yards on the ground. And honestly, it could have been more. Still can't figure out why Minnesota was throwing the ball to even have two interceptions uh, the way they did at the end of the game and, and the Steelers to claw their way back in. But you know what this team does? After playing that bad and you're thinking, man, this team is just not good. This team needs so much help. This team needs everything else. Then they turn around and almost come back and win the game. And you're thinking, man, oh, man, look at what this team can do. If they played like this all the time, what could they do? The problem is they don't. And 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 that's a real problem. I mean, you can blame it on so many different things. I know there are certain people out there that, trust me, I'm not saying that the coaches don't take any blame in this. Even though I was a coach, I'm, I'm not saying that. But there are people out there that every little thing that goes wrong with the Steelers, it comes back to a coach. I mean, Alex Highsmith gets a bruise on his quad and it's the strength and conditioning coach's problem and he's got to be fired. I mean, People just want to fire a coach for anything that doesn't go right. Sometimes the players suck it up on the field and oh, then they weren't prepared. Now sometimes this what's kind of hard to prepare on the short week. I'll give you, I'll say that that's just ridiculous. Um, like I put it in an article and I said, I, I like the idea of Thursday night football when it's not the Steelers. Uh, when, But when you talk about a team having to go out there on that short week, it's just the fact that the NFL is asking them to do this is just, it's just terrible. The amount of time you have to prep puts so much of a disadvantage on the road team. They've even tried to stack the games with really good road teams and not as good home teams to try to get, make it better this year. But it's just – that's not the way to answer it. The way to answer it, in my opinion, is to add another buy, and every team gets a buy before they play on Thursday. That's my answer. That's what they should do. I don't know why they're so stubborn that they don't look into that. But that's a whole different subject. I did have an article about that on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, if you wanted to check that out. But uh, that's – And that's the thing. So I was back to to talking about coaching is that they're like, oh, well, the the players weren't ready. I'm sorry. These are professionals. They need to be ready. They need to be ready. If they just go out there and don't give forth a very good effort, there's only so much a a coach can do. When you're talking about professional athletes, I mean, come on. Why would you not want to hold them accountable? People want to hold Chase Claypool accountable for making the bonehead decision of – of signaling for the first down or even the one that cost him the 15-yard penalty by, by pointing in someone's face and things like that. You, you'll hold that accountable because you don't like what they did. What if they just stink? Sometimes that's on the player as well. So uh, I – but it's – and it's, I'm not saying the coaches are absolved, but I'm just saying the people that just want to lay all of it there, just – there's there's enough blame to go around. But, uh, yeah, this game was really cut into in, – into thirds, because it was the first two-thirds was terrible for the Steelers, and the first third, they almost made it work. Um, Last week, I talked about, is this going to be a Thursday night thriller or a short week suck fest? Somehow, the Pittsburgh Steelers managed for it to be both. They managed for it to be both. You know, it was a suck fest for two-thirds of the game, and then they turned it into a thriller at the end, surprisingly. But uh, I'm just... As, as much as the eternal optimist as I am, I'm just getting tired and worn down from this team not giving forth a full effort for the entire game. That, that, that it takes them to one side of the ball or the other. It takes them too long to get going, this and that. The other thing, uh, you know, how many times has the offense been basically shut out or like this week, completely shut out in the first half? You know, so, so what if the defense has given up You know, massive rushing plays all game. Even if they weren't, the offense isn't scoring any points to win. All the defense is doing is keeping it closer for them. So it really does go all around. But uh, Steelers did take care of the ball pretty well. I mean, they had one interception, but they also had two takeaways with um, Akella Witherspoon pulling in two interceptions. So they were ultimately plus one in turnover margin. That's what they're going to need to do down the stretch. They're going to need to take care of the football. Najee Harris did have over 100 all-purpose yards, um, 94 rushing yards, and uh, what was it? And 10 receiving yards, two touchdowns. You know, one, one rushing, one receiving. But TJ Watt going out early. The Steelers had no pass rush. Alex Highsmith went out and didn't play basically the second half of the game. Uh, I'm not even sure exactly what point he went out. They got no sacks, and they were given up terrible sacks in the first half. You know, it was five five to nothing when it came to the sacks. Um, so that was not good. Um, a lot of this from this game that, that we could look at, but you know what? Maybe it's time to move on. Maybe maybe since it's been a week since the Steelers played and they still have three more days until they play again, that the focus should be moving forward. You still need to learn those lessons. Um, I don't know if there's a good answer to this question. I asked my brother this. And and I'll just say it in this way, just to think about. If the Steelers would have somehow managed to win that game Thursday, would they have put themselves in a much better position in the standings? Absolutely. Absolutely. But do you think they might have had not the best place to be in understanding that you can't just lay a dud for that long? Would it have really, quote unquote, taught these young players a lesson? I'm not looking to teach them a lesson. I'm looking for them to come out here and play hard every game and get, and get a victory. But what I'm saying is, if they win that game, you know, if, if, if we're looking into the multiverse, you know, little throw out to, you know, like the Marvel What If series. If we're looking at a different multiverse with the Steelers, you know, where, I'm going to say Jesse James, because <laughs> Jesse James caught that ball. When Pat Framruth pulls that in, they get the two-point conversion. Let's say they win that game in overtime. Do the Steelers take away enough from that game to keep rolling, or do they not? And do do they have the infamous um, Colts, Indianapolis Colts game of last year, where they you know looked so bad in the first half and then had a, a big, crazy comeback in the second half? Is that the way this team wants to go, or do they need to do something to realize, hey? We, we can't just keep trying to pull out the game at the last second every time we need to, we need to take care of business and how great would it, I mean, that was my bold prediction on this game. Talk about being the opposite of what my prediction was. How about the Steelers actually get out there and hold a lead? You know, why don't they just get out there and, and, and see how they can play the game out? if they actually have a lead, that's why I still got so upset with, uh, with the offsides call on Joe Hayden against green Bay, they would have had the lead at halftime. And I would have wanted, I wanted to see how that team would have responded to it way back then. And it's (laughs) not that they haven't had halftime leads, but they haven't had enough of them. They've been, it's been, I mean, I, I think of the Denver game where I was there in stadium, um, where they had the big lead and then they're, they're on the other end of it, trying, trying to, to hold off the comeback. You know, so the Steelers, there, there are certain things that that they need. It's good to see that they're getting experience of having to fight your way back into a game. Now let's get some experience of not letting yourself get there in the first place. So, all right, we've got plenty of things to discuss with this with this coming game. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about—it's um, the—it's t- the title of the show—is in reference to how do the Steelers you know how they're going to respond for those extra three days rest. You know, are they gonna take advantage of the quote unquote mini bye week and respond in a way that they could come out there and and be victorious on the field? Because that's ultimately what it comes down to now. The Steelers gotta win. They're put in a position where they need to win. Um I'll look more at playoff stuff perhaps next week after you know, seeing how this game plays out. Um, because there's a lot of moving parts. And I will tell you this: the Steelers are not out of it in the AFC North because my goodness. The, the easiest games remaining, you know, other than playing each other in the AFC North, the easiest out of division games that any of the AFC North has are both this week. And that's Cincinnati going to Denver, which isn't an easy game, and Cleveland hosting I'm pretty sure it's hosting. I'm going to go with hosting. The Raiders, and they're decimated with everything with with, uh, players on the COVID list. Although I still want to say that Baker Mayfield going on the COVID list might be better for the Browns because they're better when he's not the quarterback. But that's just me. Um, But what I wanted to look at, I went back and I, I just kept it to the Mike Tomlin era. The Mike Tomlin era, so that goes back to 2007. How have the Steelers done after a Thursday game what did they do the game following a Thursday game when they had three extra days, more time to prepare and everything else? How have they done? Well, I will tell you this. There are two years in there where the Steelers had two different Thursday games because they opened the season, you know, week one. I threw those out in the past because I'm like, when I was looking at stuff going into a Thursday game, cause I'm like those, that's not a short week, but going from week one to week two, that is extended time. So th- this Fits the criteria for this as well. But I will tell you this right now. The Pittsburgh Steelers have won seven straight games following their Thursday night game. I'll repeat that. The Pittsburgh Steelers have won seven straight games coming out of playing a Thursday night game where they had the extra three days. That's a big deal. Um, and I know you're saying, well, these are different players. Yeah, but it's still the same coaching staff. And you know what might be important in those three days other than rest? Game planning and having time to implement it. You know, people don't want to look at that factor because they want to say the coaches are terrible. But if players play better, the more that their coaches can have influence on what they do, then that's not, the, then you can't blame the coaches for that. So anyway, but you know we'll see how it goes, but if you go back the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers lost a game that followed a Thursday game was in two thousand and thirteen on that infamous Miami Dolphins in Pittsburgh they lost at home and where it was um oh, I don't think I'm trying to remember the crazy play at the end where Antonio Brown stepped out of bounds. He wouldn't have needed to, and they could have actually. I mean, they were down six points. That could have won. He stepped out of bounds like the five-yard line, and that could have won the game with an extra point. And, and he and he and he stepped out of bounds, um, and therefore the Steelers. They did end up, uh, you know, finishing eight and eight that season and almost made the postseason. There was a lot of things that had to happen that that day and uh, on the last day of the, of the season, and they all happened, but one. Um, and it was just it was crazy that they they almost pulled that off because I was there at the stadium for when they played uh, the Browns. That was the first year I started uh, going to Heinz Field regularly in 2013 because then in 2015 I was able to get my season tickets. But uh, yeah, the Steelers seven straight wins. Seven straight wins. They got a win, you know, because they didn't play a Thursday game last year, but they got a win in 2019 after their Thursday night loss. They beat, they beat the Bengals the next week. That was when Duck had to come in and save the day. In 2018, they beat they went to Jacksonville and won. And most of these games were even on the road. Most of them were on the road. You know, they they beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville the following week. 2017, they beat Green Bay at home. 2016, they beat the Giants at home by 10 points. In 2015, um, later in the season, they went to San Diego. And I'm not getting that wrong because it was San Diego then. And, and they beat them. And after week one, they came home. When they, when they lost on the road, they went... They came home and beat San Francisco 43-18 to 18 in, in their home opener. That was my first game I went to in my season ticket seats. I was there with my dad. That was a great game. Ryan Shazier was everywhere until he got injured. Um, so then uh, to, in 2014, they went to Carolina and won big there, 37-19, following their Thursday night game. And it, I even looked at the Thursday night games, that they won or lost, in all under Mike Tomlin. Before I get into how they did in the Thursday games, I mean, in every game that followed a Thursday game for the Steelers, in all they are ele- they've gone 11 and 4. 11 and 4 in the in a game following a Thursday night game. And I will also tell you that out of those 4 losses, one of them was in 2007 and it was in the last week of the season when the Steelers went to Baltimore rested their players because they were in the postseason. Charlie Batch started that game and the Steelers lost by six in Baltimore. So even one of the losses, you, you gotta you gotta think of that. So out of those out of all those games, the four losses came in 2013. They came in Two thousand eleven uh when they went to San Francisco on the on that Monday night you know when the lights went out, that was you know, and that was Steelers going west Coast, which we already know is bad um then they lost their week two matchup after they opened up at home this was in um when year two thousand nine the year after they won the Super Bowl, they opened up at home, beat the Titans at home in week one, went on the road, and lost in Chicago by three. Um, and then that other loss was that one I talked about in Baltimore. Other than that, they have won their games coming out of Thursday night games under Coach Tomlin. So seven straight, seven straight. Let's see if they can make it eight. And out of all of those, the only loss that the Steelers had on the game following the Thursday night game, where they also lost the Thursday night game, was that one in 2013 against Miami. And the other time where the Steelers lost on Thursday they won the following week under Mike Tomlin. So only one time there. We're going to go ahead and roll into our break. When we come back, I'm going to talk um, a little bit, something from the Tennessee Titans, a question that I was asked that deals uh, with the Steelers and the Titans not on the field. And then we're going to do our normal breakdown of how do these teams compare uh, with their rankings. So stick around with you back Pittsburgh Steeler fans let's keep rolling with this Steeler Stat Geek podcast this is part two I wasn't sure if I was gonna say podcast or part two first but that's just kind of how I go I get excited when I talk about numbers and get ahead of myself I was asked a question because on Wednesday the Tennessee Titans announced that they have activated the 21 day window um for Bud Dupree, where he's been designated to return from IR. He's not on the roster, but he can practice. They have to decide when they want him to come back on the roster. So is Bud Dupree going to play in Pittsburgh this week? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Chances are if they're going to add him to the roster, it would probably be on Saturday. I mean, they could do it before then, but um, it has to be done by four o'clock on Saturday if he's going to be added to the roster this week. I was asked a question by our own Andrew Wilbar, who uh, writes for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And he wanted to know, with Dupree missing so much time, is it better for him to come back and play against the Steelers because we need Dupree to play more to get that third-round comp pick? Um, And if that's even a possibility anymore. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to dive into those numbers. Go on, going to. Now, in order to do that, I got to explain a little bit with how I'm going to try to make it real quick and basic, um, which is something that the compensatory formula is not. It really isn't. There are three factors in the compensatory formula salary, percentage of snaps played, and postseason awards. And the postseason awards they count are all pro or all conference. You get more points for all pro, um, you get points for all conference if you weren't all pro. Um, so that's what they base it off of. And what it is, it's they, they take every player in the NFL and they rank you from top to bottom in salary. And this is the final rosters of every team. So this, this could fluctuate because teams have players that are on the roster versus aren't on the roster. And it gets really tricky. It's going to be much more clear once the season's over. So there's a lot of things in flux now, but these are going to be some estimations. So they put all the names in order. And when you put all the names in order, um, uh, from highest salary per year, you know, they take what you're going to make divided by how many years you're supposed to make it in. And there you go. Highest salary per year. And then, you know, the, the, um, the, the lowest salary is number one. Then second lowest is number two. And they go all the way up to the high, highest salary. Obviously it has the most points. I'm not a hundred percent sure what that, point value would be. I could try to look at it real quick. I think it's going to be somewhere around. Oh my goodness. Um, let's just see. It's like 1983, maybe like 1,983 would be based what that salary is. And that's, that's Patrick Mahomes, in case you're wondering. Um, so they, they do that and that's where you start. So you get those points. Of where you fit with your salary. Then you get points for the percentage of snaps that you play on your side of the ball. Now, if you're a kicker, they have a whole different formula. I'm not even gonna get into that because I don't care right now. Okay, so it's the percentage of snaps you play for your team. So if, If you play 50% of your snaps, you get 50 points. Now, in order to get any of those bonus points, you have to hit 25%. This is a big deal when it comes to the Steelers and Joe Haig. Joe Haig is hovering just under the 25%. If Joe Haig goes over that 25%, he's going to count in the compensatory formula, most likely based on the estimates. If he drops below the 25% snaps played, that drops him down out of counting in the compensatory formula based on estimates. So that's a, that's an important thing. And if Joe Haig counts, he cancels one of the Steelers picks. If he doesn't count, they're eligible for a different pick. And it's not a seventh round pick, even though Haig would move into the seventh round, because that's the lowest they go. He's canceling a higher round because you cancel players, um, you know, you based on where they are in order. So the, the Steelers are canceling guys at the bottom. So the the steal, he would cancel Matt Filer who is sitting I'm pretty sure right now at a at a fifth round pick and you know maybe fourth um, with, with five, no it's it's a fifth right now but it all comes down to 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 Joe Haig with that so we'll see how that goes and where that puts him at the end of the season but now that I've explained this the the question was with Bud Dupree. Where does Bud Dupree stand? Well, when he signed his contract, there was only two eligible guys that looked like they could be third-round draft picks or third-round comp picks. It was him and, oh, who was it? It was the receiver. um, It was Kenny Galladay. Seemed like he could be a third-round pick. But even though he was making more money than Dupree, they had Dupree estimated higher because they thought he'd play a higher percentage of snaps. If you've watched the Tennessee Titans or followed Bud Dupree this year, he has not. He has not played a high number of snaps at all. He's actually right now, he has played 29.9% of the Tennessee Titans defensive snaps. So he counts, but right there, it's not enough because where Dupree is, he starts, he was number 915 when it comes to salary. So he's starting with that number of 915, but then what number are you adding on to it? I don't think you're going to be adding on any kind of honors. You know, and there's going to be other guys that could then also bump ahead of him because of honors. So, right now, I'm basing this without honors on a number that he needs to get to to get into the third round, needs to be at least 960, at least 960. And he's at 915. So, Bud Dupree's got to play to even have a chance. He's got to play 45% of the snaps for the Tennessee Titans. And so far, he's played 29.9%, so basically 30%. So what I did was I looked at, okay, Tennessee's defense has played 869 snaps this year. If you divide that out per game and then multiply it out, what it's going to be for the next four games, they'll, they would finish with about um, 1136. In other words, another 267 snaps over the next four games. In order for Bud Dupree to get up to that 45% He's played 260 snaps. He'd need 512 total. That's another 252. So you're talking about if Bud Dupree would have to play approximately 252 out of 267 snaps. That's just to get him close to being up to a third round pick. That's 94% of the snaps estimated or approximately 63 per game. That's not what he's been playing. I don't think Dupree has actually hit that number, even when he was healthy. Um, if if I go back and look at his individual games this season, the most snaps he has played in any game, well, the, sorry, the most percentage of snaps was 72% all the way back in week two. So unfortunately, what I have to say right now is, what are the odds of Bud Dupree being able to count as a third-round comp pick rather than a fourth? They are extremely... Low, extremely low. Even if he played every snap left in the season for the Tennessee Titans, he still might not make it based on other players getting accolades because as much time as he's missed, Bud Dupree ain't making all conference team. It's just not going to. I mean, he would have to have an unbelievable four games, um, and I still don't know if that would do it. So unfortunately, Steelers fans, Bud Dupree is going to be a fourth round comp pick and not a third. So I think that's kind of the way the Steelers were looking at it going into things. So let's finish up here and look at some of these comparisons going into this game with the Tennessee Titans. Um it's a little bit easier to figure out the rankings now because everyone's now played the same number of games. The bye weeks are over. That's really nice. So let's look at it. It's kind of, it's kind of like weaknesses on weaknesses and strengths, you know, or sorry, I said it backwards, strengths on weaknesses and stuff like that with the, with, when it comes to the Titans. So if, we, if you look at their offense, they are 17th in yardage of 347.2 yards per game. Um, where the Steelers are 21st in yardage, which is 329 yards per game. So, um, they, you know, they, they gain not quite 20 yards more per game than the Steelers, but that puts the Tennessee as the 17th ranked offense versus the Steelers 21st. When it comes to points scored, the Steelers are still 1st They're only averaging 20.9 points a game. Titans are better than, than, they're, than they are with yardage. They're 15th at 24.9 points per game, but that's still middle of the road of the NFL, but the Steelers are are below that. Here's where it gets different. The The Titans are the fifth ranked rushing attack in the NFL. They average 137.8 yards per game. And I know what you're probably saying. Yeah, but that's because they had Derrick Henry and now they don't. I, I I will tell you this. I just looked at the last four games, didn't even look you know, Derrick Henry's missed more than four games. I'm pretty certain, you know, it might, or it might only be, I don't know where their buy was in there. Um, I didn't dive that much into it, but over the first, or over the last four games, the Titans are still averaging 135.25 yards per game, which is only 2.55 yards less per game than what they were overall. So in other words, and, and they were seventh rather than fifth. So th- are they maybe a little bit worse because they don't have Derrick Henry? Yeah, but not a ton, not a ton because they're still committing to it. So they're the fifth ranked um, rushing attack in the NFL. Where the Steelers are twenty eighth, averaging only eighty eight point four yards per game. When it comes to passing attack, the Titans are only twenty third at two hundred four or two hundred nine point four yards per game. The Steelers are thirteenth at two hundred forty point six. So The Steelers had the better passing game, the Titans have a much better run game, and the Titans do a better job at scoring points. Um, Now let's look at the defense. Oh, no, before we do that, I will say this is where the difference can be made. And that is the other two things I usually cover um, when it comes to these things, and that is how many sacks you surrender and how often you turn over the ball. The Steelers have, have, have surrendered 30 sacks, which is tied for 17th in the league. So you're like, yeah, that's not very good, especially after they gave up five last week. I mean, sheesh. um, The Titans have surrendered more. They've surrendered 37. That's tied for 27th. Okay. Then when it comes to turning the ball over, the Steelers have five or sorry, 15 turnovers, which is tied for eighth, where the Titans have 21 turnovers, which is tied for 25th. So if there's any neutralizer there is that the Titans give up more sacks and they turn the ball over more than the Steelers. So just remember that when it comes to comparing those offenses. Now let's look at the defenses. Tennessee, when it comes to overall defense, which is yardage, 341.6 yards. That's 12th in the NFL, where the Steelers are 371.3 yards, which is 27th in the NFL. They give up an average of 30 more yards per game than what the Titans do. Um, so 12th versus 27th. Yeah. Um, then when it comes to points, the Titans, they give up a little bit more points than they do yardage. They give up 22.3 points per game. That's 15th, where the Steelers give up 24.7 points per game, which is 22nd. Here's where it comes in big. The Tennessee Titans, for the second time in three weeks, the Steelers are facing the number two run defense in the NFL. Two weeks ago, it was the Baltimore Ravens, who are now the number one run defense in the NFL, I'm pretty sure. Um, and Tennessee is too. Tennessee gives up 90.9 yards on the ground per game, the second in the NFL, where the Steelers give up 139.5 yards per game on the ground. That is 30th. 30th. And if you look at the last four games, I looked at the last four games for the Titans to see what they've been doing running the ball. The last four games for the Steelers. They've, they give up an average of 176.5 yards per game, and they are 32nd, dead last. Let's real quick um, hit the passing yards before I want to bring up something else. And that is, when it comes to giving up passing yards, Seattle's 22nd. Seattle, what am I saying, Seattle? Uh, Tennessee, I have Seattle written here for another reason. You'll see why. Tennessee is 22nd. They give up 250.7 yards per game, where the Steelers are 14th where they give up 231.8 yards per game. So the Steelers' strength of their defense is more in pass defense. Um, you know what? I completely forgot to write down um, the takeaways in the sacks. Uh, so, unfortunately, I don't have that this week. Um, but when you look at it, the Steelers, you know, they have their the a best – they're better at pass defense. Titans aren't as good passing. They're not very good against run defense. Titans are really good at running. The Titans are really good at stopping the run. The Steelers are not good at running the ball. The Titans are not very good at stopping the pass. The Steelers are better at passing the ball. It's like, that's why I meant when I said it's strengths on weaknesses. But the reason I brought out the, the, the word Seattle is because I saw it written in all caps here on my, on my paper, because I wanted to make sure I brought this up. Jeff Hartman's like, Hey, at one point, weren't the Steelers a top 10 rush defense? Going into the Seattle game, the game before their bye, the Pittsburgh Steelers were ninth in the NFL in rushing defense. Ninth. Ninth. Then they fell to 12th for a couple of weeks, and now they are all the way down to 30th. Down to 30th. They were only giving up, they had only given up through the first however many games uh, let's see they played Seattle before they are buy you know through like they 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 were averaging under 100 yards per game is what they were giving up and now they're averaging uh almost you know basically 140 yards a game that they give up um on the ground it's just yeah i mean the steelers give up 139.5 and the and the titans um average 137.8 so if you're looking at that you're like that that's that's the 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 problem matchup. It also doesn't help that Montravius Adams went on the COVID-19 list today. On, I'm going to say today, sorry, Wednesday. Um, so we'll just, we, the Steelers have to dig down deep and stop the run. They have to dig down and stop the run. And unfortunately, um, you just wonder what it's going to take and you just don't know that they actually have the personnel to do it is the biggest problem. So uh, that's the key to this matchup. So yes, the Steelers, when they have that extra time have done really well coming off of Thursday night games, whether they won or lost, but it is a problem going up against um, Tennessee's rushing attack with the Steelers trying to stop them. So I want to thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Steelers stat geek. I said it before, make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts. Make sure you're ke- you're catching the Mary Steelers memories, uh series that we have of podcasts from various people. Mine's already out there. Jeff Hartman's is already out there. Uh, I think Brian Anthony Davis already has his out there. There's going to be more coming all the way up to Christmas. Um, make sure you're checking out behind the It is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And, Hey, let's get out there and cheer on the Steelers. If you've listened this far, I hope you haven't clicked it off. If you're going to be out the game, reach out to me on Twitter, STLR STLRSuperFanDad, um, or email me with superfandad at gmail.com. I'm going to be there. Big Brosco is going to be there with me. We're going to be in section 122. Um, Hit me up, do a little meetup. We're going to do a, you know, try to do a little short live thing at the stadium before the game starts. I'd love to have anyone who who checks these out uh, to meet up with us. Um, Make sure you reach out to, like I say, section 122 Row Q is is where to look for me. And I always have to say, thanks for joining me. And for this podcast, I always end it with saying, thanks for geeking out.